From understanding a global economic crisis to crunching the numbers at the grocery till, she makes it easy and helps keep more money in your wallet. This is For What It's Worth with Rabina Ahmed Haq. Well, it's getting down to the wire. If you haven't filed your 2022 tax return, the deadline is Monday, May 1st. You're getting a little bit of extra time this year because the deadline, which is usually April 30th, falls on the weekend. Now, this year is really unique because there's a couple of things happening that is making it a little bit more complicated for Canadians to actually file their return. Uh, The federal workers strike, where the CRA workers are included in that, is impacting our ability to get in touch with a CRA representative. So if you have a question or you need something clarified, that is going to be really difficult. Now, the lines are open, but I heard the delays are hours to actually get in touch with somebody at the CRA. I know uh, in the past when I've tried to call the CRA um, around this time, so April before the deadline, it does take a little bit longer because more people, of course, are calling uh, the CRA to ask questions. Uh, But it's even worse now because there's fewer people that are actually taking those calls and uh, you're just having to wait hours online. But there are ways that you can get uh, information. You, of course, can uh, employ the the, the uh, tax professional, which, of course, costs a little bit of money. They will be able to answer some questions. The CRA website itself is quite robust, and you can go in there and you can get a lot of answers just from being there. Uh, I highly, highly recommend that you open a CRA My Account. So a CRA My Account holds all of your tax information. It includes returns that you have filed in the past, going back to your first return. It's kind of interesting sometimes to go back and take a look at, you know, how your salary has changed and how much uh, how much more money you're making over the years. It's kind of a little, you know, it, it can make someone feel quite good to know that, you know, 20 years ago you were making so much and now you're making this much more and that you've come a long way. Uh, you can also see in there how much room you have in your RRSP, in your TFSA, what government benefits uh, you can apply for. Uh, you know, during COVID, that was a great place to go uh, to be able to apply for things like CERB, the Canada uh, Emergency Relief Benefit. Of course, that's not available anymore. But as an example of why the CRA My Account is so uh, useful uh, and why you should open one if you are filing your a tax return here in Canada, uh, because it's the quickest way to do it. You can use NetFile, you can file right away. The one word of caution I have for anybody that's listening that thinks, well, you know, the CRA workers are on strike. So maybe I can get a little bit of extra time to file my return. That's not the case. The CRA has not extended the deadline. You still have to file by May 1st. And the penalties of filing late are pretty incredible. So you automatically have to pay a 5% penalty on the amount owing the day you file late. So even if you file the next day, you still have to pay that 5% penalty. Also, every month you have to pay a 1% penalty on that same amount. And any money that you owe is also subject to a 9% annualized uh, rate until you pay that money off. So there's a number of different penalties and fines that will be thrown your way that will be triggered as soon as you file late. So I highly recommend that you get your return in on time, even if you don't have all the information, because we can be scrambling sometimes to find that receipt or that little bit of income you made in January and you and you can't find the invoice or whatever it is that you have that shows how much uh, money, money you charge them for that service. 
still file. And then later you can ask for an amendment. It's called refile. Uh, and again, using the CRA, my account, you can go in there and you can amend your return. It won't cost you anything and it will avoid you having to pay any penalties that are associated with filing late. So make sure you file by the May 1st deadline. Make sure you uh, put down the information as true as you know them. And then if you know some information is, is still pending, you can go in there and amend your return for 2022 using the refile tool. So uh, there's really no excuse uh, to not file on time. Uh, CRA has made it really easy. You can do it online. If you're feeling really overwhelmed, make sure you use uh, a tax professional. It can be uh, a little bit expensive. I mean, you can go to places where they have a, a much more affordable way of uh, getting your, uh, a tax, uh, your return filed for you. Um, you can use more expensive CPAs or accountants. Um, that's up to you and your pocketbook, but it can alleviate a lot of that stress because they obviously know the tax code inside and out and they can help guide you through the next couple of days. They are working overtime, uh, 24 hours a day over the weekend. Uh, they will be there for you. So I definitely think that uh, that is money well spent. It's good for your mental health, good for your financial wellness, something that I'm a huge advocate of and uh, it will get your fi uh, return filed on time and you'll avoid all those extra penalties. We have a fantastic show today. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about renters. I feel like this is a segment of Canadians that we don't talk enough about and the challenges that renters face. And there's a new survey that shows that many renters say they would not be able to afford their apartment if they did not have a roommate. And that can create a lot of insecurity. You're really depending on the commitment of your roommate who is not your spouse or your romantic partner or your sibling that you can have some uh, confident confidence in that they're not going to leave you in 60 with 60 days notice. Um, you're really depending on them for your financial future. And if they were to say, okay, well, I'm moving out in 60 days, uh, all of a sudden you may find yourself uh, in an apartment that you can no longer afford. So we'll talk uh, to somebody from TD Bank. They're the ones who did the survey about uh, the results of that survey and what someone who's renting right now can do to protect themselves and the kind of conversations you should be having with your roommate uh, just to make sure you're all on the same page when it comes to your personal finances. And later in the show, we're going to talk about a new startup in the U.S. that allows clients to buy real estate using Bitcoin. They say this is a safer way for especially international buyers to do that transaction. So we'll be talking to the CEO of that startup of how Canadians, if they wish to, can get involved and look at the properties that are for sale that they can purchase using Bitcoin. We have all of this coming up on For What It's Worth. Really excited to talk to all our guests. I hope that you tune in and stay with us for the next hour. Lots of information for you uh, that you can use as soon as this show is done. I know that my agenda is to make sure that when, for what it's worth is over, you walk away with personal finance information that you didn't have before and tips that you can put into practice right away. When we come back, we're going to talk about the financial challenges that renters face in Canada and the kind of questions you should be asking your roommate if you're worried about your own personal finances. I'm Rubina Ahmed Huck, and this is For What It's Worth. You're listening to For What It's Worth with Rubina Ahmed Huck. The housing challenges young people face 
continue to grow. And now a new survey finds that many could not afford to rent their current apartment or home without their roommate. And this can create a lot of insecurity as their financial future now depends on the decisions of others. To talk about this survey that was done by TD and how young renters can protect themselves, we are joined by Natasha Sturmanikovsky. She is an associate vice president and shopping product group owner, Homeowner's Journey at TD. Natasha, welcome to the program. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Natasha, your title is a mouthful. Can you explain uh, <laughs> exactly what it is that you do at TD so our listeners understand? Yes, absolutely. So I lead a team that is completely dedicated to the customer's home buying journey at TD. So that's everything from supporting customers as they learn how much they can afford when purchasing a home to how ultimately they get started on the application process. And this is obviously something top of mind for young Canadians as they see real estate prices across the country continue to rise. And even though they've come down in the last year, they're still quite high compared to even five or six years ago. When it comes to affordability, what reality do many renters face? Because that's also a roadblock for many to saving for their first home uh, when it comes to trying to move out of that situation and live independently. Yeah, absolutely. To your point, the Canadian real estate market has changed significantly over the past year or so. And I actually include the rental landscape in that. Just looks very different than it did a year or two ago. Interest rates are higher. Home prices have fluctuated. Rents have gone up. And ultimately, all of that, along with increases in costs of living because of inflation, have made affording a place of your own challenging, to your point, for a lot of renters. Um, and in fact, of Canadians who live with roommates, and we found this in the survey that we conducted, about four in five say that it would be difficult to own or rent if they were living on their own. As well, more than half of Canadians living with roommates are doing so because they want to save money. And so, obviously, to your point, uh, we have a lot of renters that are, are potentially in a place where they can't afford to live on their own. They're perhaps thinking a lot about how much money they need to save. And the reality of today's market can make it quite challenging. And, you know, even here where I live, I live in the GTA in Toronto, mm -hmm. rents, I've been hearing, you know, $3,000 for a one-bedroom apartment. Um, if you've got roommates, maybe they're, you know, maybe you're sharing the space in a creative way. Um, you know, roommates, you're not married to them and they can have totally different lives than you. It can be difficult to sometimes open up and talk about your money with them because you don't have that intimate connection that you may have with a, as you would with a romantic partner that you're planning on building a life with. But saying all that and considering what your survey is revealing, how open should renters be uh, with their roommates when it comes to their plans of how long they plan to rent there and, and how, they're, how comfortable they are with their own finances uh, in the future? Yeah, actually, the interesting thing about that is that roommates are probably more open than you might think within, with one another about their finances. So in that survey that we conducted, we found that the likelihood of a Canadian to discuss money with somebody that, that they live with, it's ultimately going to depend on the type of relationship that they have with that person. And we found that Canadians living with roommates were actually more likely to first talk about money before moving in together than those living with a partner or spouse. So it was perhaps... Uh, kind of clear that when making a decision to live with a roommate, Canadians actually understand the importance of transparency up front and are having those upfront conversations, even as roommates, not spouses, to get on that same page. 
That's really interesting because uh, you would think it'd be much more comfortable to talk to somebody about money if, you know, you are planning on spending the rest of your life with them and you want to make sure that you're all on the same page when it comes to where you want to live, what, how do you save, how do you spend? Um, there is, you know, a certain limit of how much people want to share, uh, no matter who it's with, especially when it comes to right. their money. Um, but how much should your roommate know about your financial situation? Should they know all your debts? Should they know your salary? W what is it that you should be telling them about your personal finances? Yeah, I mean, as I mentioned, transparency really is the key here. Uh, your or your roommate's financial situation could ultimately impact what you can afford together from a rent standpoint. It can inform how you split expenses. Uh, also, it could impact the confidence that you have in your expenses every month, like rent, utilities, groceries, actually getting covered between the two of you. And I would say, like, regardless of the status of a relationship with the person that you live with, like a friend, roommate, partner, doesn't really matter. And while it might not be comfortable, because I can appreciate appreciate these conversations are not always comfortable. Talking about that up front and having regular conversations about finances and whether anything has changed on an ongoing basis can ensure that you're on the same page, can ensure that there are no surprises. What talking about it on an ongoing basis also helps you do is, is build and flex a little bit of muscle here, and it can help you plan ahead for changes. It can help you pivot when something unexpected happens, perhaps, and it can help you as well save for either new goals or longer term goals. We're talking to Natasha Sturmnikovsky. She is with TD Bank, uh, talking about a new survey that shows the challenges that renters face uh, in their home that they are renting and the insecurities of how they depend on other roommates to actually afford it. And also the challenges they face getting into the real estate market because rents can be very high, especially in Canada's uh, bigger cities. Um, if someone is renting, say in a big city like Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal, Calgary, where the rents are generally higher than the rest of the country, uh, what steps can they take towards home ownership if that is something that they, they want to pursue? Yeah, uh, I think the first thing to remember here is everyone's situation is unique. And especially given all we've talked about with respect to the changing market over the last year or so, what I would say here is it's more important than ever that you do your research and you actually talk to a professional for advice. What that can help you do is understand everything from what you can afford to how much you have saved already to how much you might need to save. And all of that ultimately is going to factor into your decision first about purchasing a home. And your path forward to purchasing that home is going to be different. And that's going to depend on your savings, your income, and, and as well, like what Canadian city you want to live in or what city you want to live in generally. And so here, like the research that you complete, the professional advice that you seek out, it give, can help you get a better understanding of what your financial situation is today. And I would say that's kind of step one. It gives you a sense of what your cash flow looks like as well. And then ultimately, all of that together can help assist you in building out a plan to help you meet your goal of owning a home, whether that's in the short or the long term. Now, another thing that the survey looked at is the experience of new Canadians and their ability to afford a home. Can you tell me uh, what the survey revealed about the challenges that new Canadians face, especially those who are young, first starting out their lives in Canada, and, and how hard it is for them to rent and eventually maybe own a property? Yeah, the uh, the trends in affordability that we've talked about have impacted rent that have in impacted renters generally are going to impact many new Canadians to your point as well. So again, those increases in inflation, increases in interest rates, it generally has become more difficult for many, including new Canadians, to afford a home or to rent independently without roommates. And 
we've seen that sentiment reflected in our surveys as well with new Canadians. And what we found was that new Canadians who entered the country less than 10 years ago are more likely than other Canadians to report that it would be difficult to rent if they were living on their own. Ultimately here, like regardless of your life stage, regardless of your situation, it's important to have a financial plan and to actually set financial goals and be clear on those financial goals for yourself. And that's especially going to be the case for those moving to a new country and for those that are kind of in the process of acclimating to their new lives. And really, this is where TD Personal Bankers can help. We have them at every TD branch across the entire country. They provide personalized advice. That personalized advice is also for newcomers, and we can provide it in a variety of languages, which can be really helpful. Any advice, Natasha, for someone who is worried about the fact that they won't be able to afford the rent on their apartment if their roommate was to to give 60 days notice and leave? Um, Any advice on how they can just protect themselves financially? I mean, maybe it's not even the roommate's intention. It might be they all of a sudden get a new job or they move in with their partner. Uh, But what can they just do proactively to make sure that if something was to happen uh, at short notice that they wouldn't have to give up their apartment and, and be out on their own all of a sudden. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think part of uh, kind of the comment that I had earlier just around planning is is especially applicable here, right? Being transparent upfront, not just about uh, the, the financial situation that you have today, but actually planning ahead for some of those situations and being proactive about, hey, what would happen if X, Y, or Z happened can help you to prepare. It can help you kind of inform uh, how much money you might need to save as a bit of an emergency fund, for example. Uh, again, like having those professional conversations with either a personal banker uh, can can help you uh, to identify what a little bit of that emergency fund should look like, how much you might need. Uh, to bridge a gap potentially uh, before you're able to find a new roommate, uh, or if you want to get to the point where you don't have a roommate as well. The, the important thing, again, is planning ahead for different type of scenarios that might happen. Natasha, thank you so much for joining us today on the program, breaking down the results of this survey. I think it's a segment of the Canadian population that we don't talk enough about, the, the challenges, financial challenges that renters face. Yeah, absolutely. Very, very happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. That was Natasha Sturmanikovsky. She is with TD Bank. She's an associate vice president and shopping product group owner, Homeowners Journey. Now, in Canada, we talk about real estate at nauseum. And of course, British Columbia and Ontario lead the way when it comes to the average price of a home. Uh, in March 2023, for example, in British Columbia, the average uh, price of a home that sold there, 960000 In Ontario, 881000 And those prices can seem completely uh, out of reach for young people trying to save for that first home. But if you really want to afford real estate in Canada, go east. New Brunswick is the cheapest province right now. A home there, $270,000 was the average selling price in March 2023. Pretty similar in Newfoundland, a little bit higher in PEI and uh, Nova Scotia, but a lot more affordable if you're moving east, if that is what your desire is to home own real estate in Canada. We are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about a startup in the United States that's helping anybody who wants to buy a home using Bitcoin. I'm Rubina Ahmad Huck, and this is For What It's Worth. You're listening to For What It's Worth with Rubina Ahmed Huck.
A U.S.-based real estate startup wants to make it easier for anyone to buy real estate using cryptocurrency. Texas-based MyE Listing has launched the ASAP program. It stands for Accelerated Sale and Purchase Program. It's available to Canadian buyers who wish to purchase property in the U.S., that is listed by the company using crypto. To find out more about this program and how it works, we are joined by the CEO of MyEListing, Caleb Richter. Hi, Caleb. Welcome to the program. Hi, Rubina. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to tell you all about it. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to start by asking you about the ASAP program. It's a real clever acronym because it does sort of highlight how you can quickly buy real estate if you want to. But tell me more about what ASAP, the ASAP program is. Well, I wish I could take credit for that, but it our CTO thought of that, Accelerated Sale and Purchase Program. And um, so it's it all it it kind of all started based on I guess our our core principles at my e-listing. We started this company 4 years ago to primarily remove all barriers to commercial real estate commerce. So our business model is give everyone listing for free, finding properties for free, flyer creation, um, comps, demographic reports. We even power companies' websites, their their listing displays. We power NII Global's listing display. And um, we simply monetize it like Google or Facebook does, right? So think Google's free, Facebook's free, Instagram's free. And we we run ads on all of our listings. We have ads, and that's how we're able to give this all these services away for free. And um, like I said, we're four years old, so now we're kind of getting in, into the exploratory um, phase of our company. And we thought, hey, um, we we know crypto people. We're not crypto lords, for lack of a better term, but um, we thought, hey maybe we can figure out a way to allow people to buy and sell real estate with cryptocurrencies. And so we got in touch with a national title company and Coinbase and said, Hey, can we pull this off? And everyone was like, yeah, let's do it. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's basically how it all started. It was all, there's nothing to refer to or, um, or systems in place whatsoever. So it was basically us, just bouncing everything back and forth for a couple months on how it would work. Um, we had the team cold call um, commercial and residential agents in Texas saying, hey, we're doing this program. We found the people who want to be involved with it. We got around $100 million, It's I think it's like $130 million worth of real estate. Uh, the real estate that's featured on your website, My E-Listing, are all of them available for purchase using cryptocurrency or is it select uh, properties? So um, on the technical side, you're not actually buying it with cryptocurrency. And the way that it works is best explained through a deal. Do you want me to go top top to bottom on a deal real quick? Yeah, real quick. Just to sort of give people yeah. an idea, like say here, I'm in, I'm just outside of Toronto. Say I see a property mm -hmm. in Texas I really like. I've got Bitcoin. I can buy this property. What would be the first thing that happens uh, when I get in touch with you guys? So you don't have to get in touch with us. You just go to the website and click buy now with crypto. And then you are immediately prompted to connect your wallet to our account via Coinbase. 
So you have to have a Coinbase account. And you and once you log in, it says, hey, this person has um, enough cryptocurrency to buy this property. Now, after that's done, you're presented with the 50% of the way signed contract. The seller has already signed the contract. And you're also presented with the title commitment. We do all of the title work ahead of time before it's put up on the site. And so um, at that point, there's some boxes you got to check and then sign the contract. Once you sign your half of the sale contract, you're under contract, then both parties selling and buying side are um, contacted by the title company and asked to sign closing docs. Once both parties sign closing docs, that's when the buyer is prompted to send the full purchase price amount of crypto to Coinbase, who then converts it into cash and then that cash is sent to the title company. So it so feels it's not like, like the buyer gets cryptocurrency. They can uh, they can they can get that uh, uh, purchase. Um, they can get that sale price in, in in U.S. dollars. They can get it in U.S. dollars, but they can also get it in crypto. So um, it all feels like it's being done with cryptocurrency. But in the back end, what we're doing with the title company and Coinbase is saying. Okay, convert this coin into US dollars right now, send it in, send it to the title company. And this happens within minutes. A title company has the cash. And if the seller's like, hey, I want crypto, we send the money back to Coinbase, who then converts it back into crypto and then sends it to the um, seller. And we do all that to keep everything um, legally compliant, right? It's kind of like you can't buy a house with 3 million bananas. <laughs> you, you also can't, yeah. So there, the government requires good funds for all these things, and we wanted to make sure that we can have title commitment and it's done with cash. So if the IRS comes, it's like, what'd you sell your Bitcoin for to buy this property? And then it, it's all tracked perfectly. So um, it's it feels like if it. If you're doing it with crypto, it feels like it, like you're not going to have, you're not going to have to do anything extra, but um, in reality, it's just a cash deal. Well, you know, I've purchased homes before in Canada and the process is arduous. It can be frustrating, especially as a first time home buyer. I remember just being, feeling very lost. This feels very quick. Are you worried about uh, people getting buyer's remorse, uh, you know, pressing that buy or sell button too quickly and then later thinking that's not really what I wanted to do? Well, from experience, a lot of people will find, well, not from experience with the ASAP program, but a lot of people typically can feel buyer's remorse when they're making a big decision. But there's a lot of steps that you have to go through before um, you actually close. Like you have to send the cryptocurrency, then you got to sign or you got to sign closing docs. You got to sign the contract, all the disclosures. It's not an immediate thing, but there, there's a there are some hoops you got to jump through. And it should give someone su sufficient amount of time to um, back out if they are actually having buyer's remorse and want to express that. So you've made out. it user friendly by, you know, saying I want to buy this property, but there is still a pretty long process uh, after that. I mean, that's more showing um, interest that I do want to purchase this property and let's get this deal started. Is that is that a fair way of putting it? I I don't know if that's entirely fair because you can close on the entire deal within one business day. 
So if you see a house and you're like, I want, if you see the house in the morning and you're like, I want that house, you can have it by the end of the day. And there, and um, if people are thinking traditionally, we all know that that's not how it typically works, right? It can normally so, take, I mean, it's many, many weeks to purchase the house. And then the closing date is sometimes 90 days in the future. Um, the other thing I was wondering is that not all of us have deep pockets that we can afford to buy, say, a $500,000, what's equivalent in Bitcoin, uh, home in, in Texas. Um, is, there a, is there a way that someone could get a mortgage? And how would that work if they're putting, say, the down payment using cryptocurrency? So I can't really speak to speak to the crypto mortgage industry. Um, we do have plans. Let me talk about, so we call it widening buyer tolerance. And we do want to be a part of, of loans. We, we do want to be a part of mortgages. Um, but right now, 47% of homes are bought sight unseen in the United States in 2022. A third of those were bought with all cash. So, and that comes out to around a trillion dollars worth of real estate commerce. And so that's who we're, um, that's who, that's our target audience right now. But as we move into the future, we want to start including reaching out to the banks and saying, hey, look, how do we get a loan going for all of the, for the crypto industry? And how do we start doing the things ahead of time that someone would want to do during feasibility? Right. So maybe a, we partner with a property condition report company or an environmental company um, to do checks on the home. And we keep widening the buyer tolerance. Right. But the first step is the ASAP program. And then once this starts rolling and we spread out to other states, that's when we start going, OK, let's talk to the banks. Let's talk to um, all the vendors that support um a uh, buyer when they are doing due diligence on the property. We're speaking to Caleb Richter. He is the CEO of My E Listing about a new program that helps buyers purchase real estate in Texas right now uh, using cryptocurrency. Now, if somebody is listening, this show broadcasts across Canada, they want to buy something in Texas, they've got the cryptocurrency to do it. How do they uh, get involved? And is it more complicated, um, a, a deal that's happening uh, in Canada for a property in, in, in the United States? No. So anyone, so non-U.S. citizens can buy real estate in America. Um, we do exclude some countries and you can find those in our terms and conditions. But if you're in Canada and you want to buy a property, you simply create a Coinbase account transfer your crypto into your Coinbase account so that when you log in to your account on my listing, you can connect your Coinbase account. You simply log in to Coinbase on our website. It's super easy. And then you can click buy now and buy property. Caleb, thank you so much. This is so interesting. The evolution of cryptocurrency and how we're using it in our everyday lives. Uh, you know, real estate investing, buying your first home is an overwhelming experience and having um, more options uh, to make that happen, I think is just good for the overall economy, for the overall uh, real estate marketplace. So I really uh, appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. Yeah, absolutely, Rubina. I really appreciate your time. It means a ton to us.
Thank you. That's Caleb Richter. He's the CEO of My E-Listing. They have a new program called the ASAP Program, Accelerated Sale and Purchase Program, that allows buyers to purchase property right now just in Texas uh, using cryptocurrency and, uh, you know, how that can happen. And and really, you don't have to live in the United States. You can purchase property uh, in Texas using crypto, even if you live in Canada. You can go to their website, My E-Listing, to get all the details if you are interested. We are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about how 9 in 10 Canadians are interested in a four-day work week. We'll talk about what that would look like uh, after the break. I'm Rubina Ahmed Huck, and this is For What It's Worth. From understanding a global economic crisis to crunching the numbers at the grocery till, you're listening to For What It's Worth with Rubina Ahmed Huck. The best things in life are free, but you can give them to the birds and bees. I want the money. That brings us to the end of For What It's Worth. And we had a lot of great conversations this hour when it comes to the situation for renters in Canada and how insecure it can be for them as they depend on their roommates to afford the apartment they are in. And also because of rents being so high in this country, in places like Toronto, Vancouver, Calgary, Montreal. In Toronto, for example, the average one-bedroom condo is going for close to $3,000. If you're renting an apartment like that, even if you're sharing it with somebody else, there's not a lot of money left over to save for a down payment on a home. Uh, we spoke uh, earlier to uh, a representative from TD Bank, Natasha Sturmanikovsky. She's an AVP and shopping product group owner a homeowner's journey at TD. And she talked to us about the findings from this TD survey uh, of Canadians who live with roommates. They say four and five of them say it would be really difficult for them to rent that same apartment if they were living on their own. So basically 80% of renters in Canada are saying, I couldn't afford this place unless I had a roommate. So that can create some insecurity because what if that roommate gets a job in another part of the country? What if they move in with their partner? What if they move back home to their parents? A lot of things can happen. And all of a sudden, you're left with an apartment that you can't afford, scrambling to find a roommate, maybe even having to give your own 60 days notice and change your situation. Uh, she also talked about how new Canadians who have uh, come to this country in the last 10 years are more likely than others uh, to find it really difficult to even rent or live on their own. They're increasingly finding it more and more difficult, more expensive to afford uh, an apartment that they are renting. And that, of course, can be a roadblock to also home ownership. If you are really wanting to own a home in this country, uh, looking in places like Toronto and Vancouver can be really disheartening, where home prices are well into the seven figures, the average selling price, that is. But if you want to own property in Canada, go east. New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, Newfoundland, Labrador. These are places that are much more affordable that still offer a great quality of life. I'm in no way a spokesperson for Eastern Canada, but this is just what the stats show us, that you can buy a home in New Brunswick, for example, for $250,000. And that is much more affordable than it is in most places in Canada. So if that is an option for you, that's something to look at. We also spoke to Caleb Richter. He's the CEO of My E-Listing. It's a startup in the US, uh, really trying to make the whole home buying experience um, easier. Talks a little bit about what his company does, My E-Listing. They've launched this new program 
called the ASAP program. And really the ASAP program stands for Accelerated Sale and Purchase Program. And what they're doing is they're making it easier for anyone who has cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Dogecoin, whatever it is that you have, uh, to buy property in the US. Right now their listings are only in Texas, but if you are a Canadian real estate investor and you want to invest in the US and Bitcoin is, you know, you've got some Bitcoin that you want to spend, this is somewhere where you could go and uh, find a property that you wanted to buy. Now, they do convert that Bitcoin to cash, US dollars, uh, to give to the seller. Uh, but they have made the process a little bit easier in the, the the front part of it, where you don't have to first sell your cryptocurrency and then go and look for a property in U.S. dollars. Uh, they'll look at how much cryptocurrency you have and let you know what kind of property you can afford to buy. Uh, before we go, I wanted to talk a little bit about this survey. And this is something that we've talked about. This is not just the pandemic that's brought this out. This is really something that for many decades, Canadians have been saying that they want more work-life balance. They want to be able to uh, really be efficient when it comes to their work. Now, the vast majority of working Canadians say they want to work four days a week. They want to have a four-day work week. It was a new study conducted um, after a number of different pilot programs were used uh, throughout the country. And then they asked those same employees, do you like this, this the four-day work week? And 90, 80% of them rather said, yes, they would prefer this four-day work week. They feel they're more productive on the days that they are working. They feel the extra day off gives them more time with their family. So it doesn't mean that they want to work 40 hours condensed into four days because that can be exhausting. They want to work 36 hours as their full-time job over four days and really just be more efficient in those hours. We know that productivity during the day can fall, especially after lunch, after you've had your lunch, you feel a little bit sluggish um, and you may not get as much deep work done. But if you know that you only got four days to get it done, uh, they feel they can be more efficient and then still get that day off. That's the treat, right? The day off. I agree with this. I mean, this is a really European model. Uh, it does work for a better work-life balance. And if companies are willing to take a bit of risk, uh, this may actually produce uh, more loyal employees, employees that are happier to come to work, and definitely employees that feel more rested after their three-day week. Uh, we are moving towards a time where Things like chat GPT and AI tools and other uh, tech tools are making work more efficient. We can do work more quickly. And so by employing some of those tools in our work life and getting more familiar with uh, technology and how it can make work quicker, you can actually do a 40-hour work week in 36 hours. So it's not that you're doing less work. You're just doing the same amount of work more efficiently. And that really is the beauty of work today. If you go back a hundred years, uh, there was a lot more labor intensive jobs that people had to do in order to get work done. Whereas now we do a lot of jobs using computers, even jobs that would be considered later labor intensive, like construction. Um, there's a lot of technology now that makes those jobs easier. There's not as much heavy lifting. There's not as much using your body to get that job done. Uh, you know, there are a lot of machines that are now doing a lot of that work for the workers 
but they still have to be there and they still have to monitor those machines, uh, but they can do that work much more efficiently. So shouldn't we now reap the benefits of being more efficient, reap the benefits of technology making our work uh, that much more uh, quicker, that we can get more work done in an eight-hour day than we did maybe 20 years ago? Uh, so it makes sense. A four-day work week moving towards that, reaping the benefits that we have moved into an economy that is much more efficient and we don't need to rely so much on just being there, that FaceTime that was so important before to get work done. Thank you so much for everyone that listened to the show today. I hope you got something out of it. A lot of really interesting tidbits, especially when it comes to the situation of renters in Canada. I don't think we spent enough time talking about the financial challenges that renters face. Uh, we're really focused on first-time home buyers and interest rates and home values, but we don't talk enough about uh, the challenges that renters face and how their situation can really be a roadblock into getting into the real estate market. It can be a roadblock into them pursuing their personal finance goals, saving for retirement, saving for the kids' education, uh, because it can be so expensive to rent in this country. Thank you so much for listening and for tuning in for the past hour. Thank you to our technical producer, Bilal Masri, uh, for guiding us through this hour. We will be back same time, same channel next week. I really hope that you will join us here on For What It's Worth. I'm Rubina Ahmed Haq. Have a great rest of the weekend.